Hey, I'm JR. And I'm Mike from the 18 Over Par with Mike and JR podcast. Welcome to season two of the podcast, where we'll continue exploring the sights, stories, and sounds of golf on the prairies, where you'll find some of the most golf courses per capita of anywhere in the world and beer. And Lots beer. of beer. Lots of beer, JR. It's the 18 Over Par Podcast with Mike and JR. You suck, you duckass. Welcome to 18 Over Par with Mike and JR, proudly presented by Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. I'm JR, he's Mike, and today, hot off his first PGA Tour appearance at the RBC Canadian Open, we're joined by Aaron Cockrell, DP World Tour Pro and 2010 Golf Manitoba Amateur Golfer of the Year. Super excited to bring this guy in. We were just chatting before we came on here. Media darling now. He's been doing the whole media circus tour since coming back from the RBC Canadian Open. And I'm really thankful for him taking the time to join us uh, tonight. And we want to give a huge shout out to Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204 515 Give him a call. Ask him about the markets. They're going crazy right now. They're going nuts, so give him a call. Make sure uh, they are yeah. up and down and sideways. Yeah, but uh, he's been helping Mike and I out, so that's how Mike can put on gold floors and how I can afford a new <laughs> set of clubs this year. So make sure you give him a call. Ask him all the questions you want, and maybe he'll take you for a round at St. Charles as well. And uh, AC, can we call you AC? Does it matter? That, that works. works. That's what my yeah. All right, uh, you and the fam are going to get a DQ cake. From the Nick and Nikki group of DQs, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Niverville, and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them at DQ Manitoba on Instagram. The newly renovated St. Anne's DQ St. Anne's Road. Uh, your stepsister, she went down there, demanded cake, but they were closed for renovations. Uh, but nonetheless, maybe you can share some cake with her when you get your DQ cake. Uh, but they're a fantastic supporter of the show as well as the sports community here in and around uh, Winnipeg. So uh, we thank the Nick and Nicky group of DQs. And let's get into it if you're ready. Are you ready? Are you prepared? I'm ready. You're a pro let's at this go. now, right? You're, you're more professional than we are when it comes down to it. So let's turn back the clock. You, do, uh, you have a great voice for this, by the way. I'm just going to say I was being sued there listening to you. So I <laughs> just wanted to give you a... <laughs> Be careful. Great radio voice. It is, yeah. It's a great radio voice and it gets people pregnant. Um, but we won't go there. Um, let's <laughs> <laughs> all right, we can move on. Yeah, we'll move on. All right. So let's uh, turn back the clock, go in the 18 over par time machine here and wonder, well, we were wondering how exactly you ended up getting to this wonderful game of golf. Yeah. I think being from Manitoba is like most other kids, like sporty playing a few sports, I, uh, hockey in the winter and baseball and golf in the summer. And, uh, I was probably better at baseball when I was younger. Um, but I just kind of occasionally played golf with one of my friends and his dad, they would take me up to the too long golf course on the weekends. So that was when I was like maybe 12. 
and that was just kind of a casual thing. And then we had a baseball tournament out in West, like Killarney, Western Manitoba, uh, when I was like 15 and, uh, I, I played in it, it was a golf Manitoba event and, and I won and I was just kind of hooked from there. Um, and yeah, I, I basically ended up quitting baseball the next year and going full steam into golf and ended up getting a scholarship down to the States and played down there for four years and, uh, turned pro after, and here I am six years after that or something like that. So, uh, yeah, never would have ever really thought this is where I'd be, but here we are. Yeah, are you kind of oh. like the the baseball swing guy? You just took that and bent over and hit a golf ball. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I I've always had pretty good uh, like hand eye and all uh, all my buddies make fun of me. All the games you got to like stand still, like beer pong and like ping pong. I'm always pretty good at those. Not uh, not the quickest on my feet. So uh, yeah, hockey wasn't as good for me. So I'm uh, I'm, I'm better at golf. <laughs> Do you remember your first set of golf clubs that you had? Oh, I think I had like a really, really old set of Cobra irons and the shafts were like way too stiff, like obviously not fitted for anything. Um, and then I remember the, I think it was like the R5 driver was like the big thing at the time, or maybe it was the R7. And that was like the first expensive club I ever got. Um, well, that's a good question. Yeah. And I remember that those two ball Odyssey putters, I mean, you actually still see some of those. Um but that's kind of the old stuff that I can think of that I used to have back when I was first starting out. Did you get any lessons when you were, when you were younger or did you, or did you just, you just picked up that club and swung it like a baseball bat and it worked? Yeah, not, not overly. I mean, just like, you know, would watch like the golf channel and like read golf digest, just like any like avid golfer, but not really a ton of lessons. Um, when I went away to university, our our coach there, coach means he was really good. He helped me with the golf swing. And that's when I first started to, you know, understand and learn about my swing. I still don't really know a lot about the golf swing in general, where I could help like the average guy, but I know a lot about my swing. Um, and then the last few years I've been working with Derek Ingram, who's a Winnipeg guy and he's the national coach and, um, he's, he's awesome. He's helped me a ton and, uh, we've made some progress and it's funny. You end up for me, at least I always kind of end up coming back working on the same things I have. There's like three things where I'm always working on those and just trying to get them a little bit better all the time. And we keep it pretty simple, but, uh, yeah, it was more so self-taught when I, when I started. Well, make sure you ping uh, Ingram there because we've been pinging him for two years now and getting other people to ping him to say, get on our damn show. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if he takes the bait. This I just bought his book. So that <laughs> yeah, I just bought his book. I haven't read it yet. Get him. <laughs> is it the, the sports site for winning golf? Yeah, it is. Yes. I'm about three quarters of the way through it. I, sh- I should have lied and said I was done, but I'm not quite done. <laughs> <laughs> we'll come back on. It'll be all four of us and we'll talk about the book. There we go. That's a good way to get in there. All right. Uh, I wanted to chat quickly. I don't even know if you remember this thing of how much golf you've played, but 2010, you ended up as the golf Manitoba men's golfer of the year. And I believe you were a junior. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, I had, a, I had a very good year. That was when I was uh, 18. I, I won the Manitoba Junior. I played pretty good in the Canadian Junior. Um, I think I might have won the match play that year. So I did pretty good in the local events with a, you know, that I think had like a top 10 in the Canadian, like a national event. So that was, uh, that was a good year going away to college. Did that kind of give you, did you, I guess at that time, did you think like, okay, I'm really going to start to pursue this thing full time? Like, this is what I want to do. No, 
not at all. <laughs> I mean, like re- realistically, this is going to sound bad, but if you're good in Manitoba, like that's just a drop in the, the bucket, mm-hmm. right? Like if you're a good hockey player from here, that's probably a little different. Um, but I guess like if you start to have success in national events, um, that maybe is a little bit different, but honestly, no, I, I never thought about professional golf or anything until my fourth year of university when I was graduating and I needed a job the next year. And <laughs> it was either I was going to be working in the real world or my golf coach said I was pretty good and maybe I should give professional golf a shot. And I listened to him and, uh, yeah, here we are. How'd you get hooked up with Idaho? Um, I, that's a good question. I, I guess basically through help of like kind of Derek Ingram at the time and some of the local Manitoba guys, um, just sending out applications like you would trying to get into any other school. Um, and there was a couple schools that it came down to, and, um, it was between Louisville and Idaho and Louisville was probably a bigger name school, but honestly, Idaho gave me a better scholarship and I came from a pretty blue collar family. So that was more important and, uh, ended up there, but it was, I, I loved it. We had a really good group of guys. Like when you go to, a college golf scene, you're basically being paired up with 10 strangers who you've never met before and you have no idea what they're going to be like. Right. And then those 10 guys basically got to become your friends. And we are still like great, great friends. We all lived in the same house together. Um, we had an awesome coach. We got to travel around the country. It was, it was probably four of the best years of my life. Yeah. As, as I'm sure most people have, I've spent actually some time in Northern Idaho myself. Okay. <laughs> there's, yeah. there's some varying um, parts to that state. You get in the potato and the redneck land, and then you get into Coeur d'Alene, and it's like the most beautiful place on earth. Uh, yeah. It varies quite a bit. I was, you know, I was curious. One of my questions was, have you played Coeur d'Alene? We, we played Circling Raven. We never played the resort course because it okay. was, coach didn't think it was a very good like test of golf. So we would always play a place called Circling Raven. It was just up the road and it was, it was a really good course. And I feel like Coeur d'Alene is famous because it was on Tiger Woods 2005 and I, yeah. I played it on the video game, but I don't know if it was ever on like a, a PGA tour event or anything. No, it's, it's, it's a resort golf course. I think they have that Island green that they can, it's like on like a barge and they can move it around. So, I mean, that's pretty cool, but uh, no, nice. I, I've never been there. Did you find it seemed any, like you guys uh, had some, uh, go was, ahead, JR. I was just going to say, did you see any circling Ravens while you were playing that course? <laughs> probably actually. <it> was probably <laughs> <laughs> Just buzzards buzzing around. You guys are out there for hours. <laughs> Uh, you guys, it seemed like you guys had some, some, uh, success out there. I think there was one year you had the, uh, was it the conference championship, which just seems like a pretty big deal in the NCAA. Not sure who was in that big sky, uh, conference, but. Yeah. I mean, it's not like we were playing in the PAC 12, right. Where we were playing against Stanford and USC and everything, but by, by the time my third and fourth year, so myself, and then there's another guy's name is Jared Dutois. He's a pretty good pro. Um, and then we had two other guys who are now playing mini tour golf. Like we were a pretty good team for a mid-level school. We were ranked in the thirties or forties when I was there, which was pretty good for them in the nation. Um, long story short, the athletic director and our coach kind of butted heads and he got fired and everyone transferred. And now I don't know the coach. I don't know any of the players and I don't really have any contact with them. And they, they're pretty bad. <laughs> they suck. Honestly, they're ranked like 200 and they have been for the last like five years. Uh, so they have taken a, a swift 180. 
So you're saying maybe there's an opportunity. Yeah. 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 (laughs) One question I had on the, uh, on the uh, university of Idaho, do you remember any opponents from your college days that are, you know, big names now, were you going up against Bryson or Max Homa or any of those guys and these, you know, yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm sure we played against a decent amount of those guys. Like I, I played with, uh, uh, John Rahm in an event, um, when we played with ASU. Um, and then I, I was funny cause when the, the PGA was at Southern Hills there, um, a few weeks ago, I played an amateur tournament there, uh, in my, in between my junior and my senior year of college. And I was like, Oh, I think I played okay. You know, there. So I looked, I looked up the leaderboard and this is from like 2000 and 14 or something like that. And Will Zalatoris won. Uh, Scotty Scheffler was in 20th. And then me and Bryson were like tied 25th or something. Xander Schauffele was like a shot behind us or something. So it was kind of funny to look back at the leaderboard and see some of the names. Wow. Yeah, all shit golfers. So yeah, good. (laughs) (laughs) Don't say anything. Don't say anything. We don't want to start any any rivalries uh, uh, out there. But that must have been a little bit different for you then coming from you know, Manitoba and then being transplanted in Idaho. Was there a bit of a culture shock at all, or did you kind of just stick to golf and fit in smoothly? I mean, a little bit, like I'm pretty sure you can have like a concealed weapon permit or however it works there. Like it's a pretty redneck state, right? Um, like pickup trucks and guns is pretty common and chew and, and, and all that, you know, American stereotypes. Um, but I enjoyed it. It was, uh, I don't know, it wasn't that different from home. It was pretty close to Canada. Um, the odd time we'd go up to a buddy's place who lived near like Cranbrook, BC. It was like a four or five hour drive. Um, so yeah. And like Vancouver and Seattle weren't that far away. So yeah, it, it wasn't too different. And Spokompton. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a sketchy place. That was the closest airport to us. So we always had to fly out of there. And uh, yeah, I don't think you'd want to be in the wrong, uh, on the wrong street at midnight there. Spokane there for our, for our listeners. But yeah, no, did some, did you do some skiing at all uh, in the mountains there? I never did. There was one year when the whole team went, uh, I forget the name of the Schweitzer mountain or something. Yeah. Like but in Sandpoint, that's where I went. Yeah. Oh, you've been there. Okay. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> You didn't see his name on the leaderboard at all or no? (laughs) I used to be a professional skier. (laughs) Then I uh, broke my uh, leg and I became a golf podcaster. (laughs) (laughs) We're not sure which one he was better at. Skiing and lots of uh, snowmobiling up in the, in the Idaho mountains there. It's It's a great place. You wouldn't think, you wouldn't think because all they, in the uh, Canadian media or television, all you hear about is potatoes, but they have mountains in Idaho. Yeah. I mean, the Southern part, like when you get down to Nevada, like it's pretty flat and that can kind of be what it is, but the Northern part's a little nicer. Good to know. There's a little tourism Idaho spot. Yeah. No no free ads. Uh, you, (laughs) You did kind of mention that your fourth year, so your last year there, that was kind of when you, you realized, or at least you were prompted or your coach told you like, Hey, you could actually go pro. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I kind of thought about it, but I I didn't know if I was maybe good enough. Um, and in, in golf, there's no draft, right? Like it's not like the NHL, like you just got to go to a Q school and 
whoever shoots the lowest score gets through. It's uh, I guess it's, it's a good part about the game, right? There's no politics involved. And uh, I went to a Q school for the Canadian tour. What I think it was like 2015 and I got through and uh, I played out there for a couple of years and, um, and just kind of have progressed since then. What was it like going out there? Did you bankroll it yourself? Was it your family? Were you out there pounding the pavement, getting sponsors? Um, when I first started, it, I, I had a couple sponsors from Winnipeg. Um, and I, I have always had unbelievable sponsorship. One of the best parts about my situation is like, I'm not one of you know, a thousand kids from California trying to play golf, right? Like I'm kind of the one guy from like this area of Canada, (laughs) really (laughs) like who's made it to a certain stage. So I've always done very well with sponsorship and very thankful for all the people who have helped me out because when you first start, I mean, you're not really making any money and you're just kind of grinding it out. And, um, looking back to those were some of the best times, right? Like you're sleeping three, four guys in a hotel room, driving all across Canada on the Canadian tour. Like it was, it was super fun. Um, and yeah, but, but without those guys, I wouldn't have really been able to have done it at the start. We have an an ongoing question of those who uh, were the touring professionals, as we call them. What car were you driving? (laughs) Uh, I think I had a Grand Am for a while. Nice. Pontiac Another Grand Pontiac. Pontiac. It's been all Pontiac. All the people who've been the touring bros have been all Pontiac so far. Common theme? You yeah. guys as well? Or just the like, golfers you've talked to? Just the golfers we've talked to, yeah. We're, we're not touring pros. We're touring Joes. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this, the Sunfires and then the van, uh, Pontiac van uh, is escaping <laughs> me right now. But, uh, yeah, Pontiac. I'm going to get a Pontiac. I'm, they don't make them anymore, but... Uh, <laughs> Yeah. What about that? So Q Q school, I always, we always hear that that's kind of hell on earth. Is that an accurate statement? Yeah. I mean, it's just like, there's so much pressure and and stress involved with that week, right? Like it's, you, you get through or you don't really, um, it's the ultimate tryout and they just wean people out and it's tough because I mean, you can be, a, you can be a good player, but if you have like two bad days, like you're not going to make it through. So it's just, it's a lot of timing. Um, you have to play well at the right time. And, um, throughout the course of, I mean, if, if you're really good at golf, you'll probably, you're probably going to make it. It's just, you know, there's enough opportunities. And if you're a good player, like you're just going to probably make, make it eventually, but it's yeah. At the, at the start, it can be, it can be tough and it can be a bit of a grind if you don't get through. Cause if you don't get through, you're trying to find a place to play for basically an entire year until you got that Q school chance again, the following season. Were you playing golf year round then at that point? Um, yeah. Like when, when I turned pro, one of my good buddies who I mentioned before there, Jared, so he's two years younger than me. So when I graduated, he had two years left and this is when the shit show happened with our coach getting fired. So he ended up transferring to Arizona state and he was on the team with John Rom and unbelievable team there. And so he lived down in Phoenix. And so for two years, I kind of lived with him down in Phoenix in the winter times and I was practicing and playing on the mini tours and stuff like that. I remember bumping into Jared when I was in Calgary. I didn't know who he was at the time. And I was playing. It was just a, it was a course just south of Calgary. And these guys were up our ass the whole time. And they were in a cart. There was two of them. And then so eventually on one of the holes, they just drove up to us. 
And I was like, that guy looks familiar. So it was Theo Fleury. He was playing with Theo Fleury. And it was Jared Dutuan. Okay. I saw the pro bags. And that was my first experience with uh, Jared. And then I'm like, yeah, you guys uh, you guys can go. Can you sign my book? Um, but he, <laughs> yeah, he, he signed my book later. But uh, nonetheless, yeah. So Jared Dutuan, good guy. He is a good guy. I'll give him that. <laughs> you had your Derek Ingram book all the way back then, JR? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we take a quick break to hear from Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Well, Bryce, it's uh, it's great to, uh, to have you on and to have a quick chat. My first question is, uh, what can an investment advisor like yourself from Endeavor Wealth uh, do for me, and how can that differ from my my current experience of trading with Wealthsimple uh, just based on my the recent Twitter feeds. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for having me on, you guys. Yeah, d- discount brokers like Wealthsimple uh, certainly have their place, uh, but at the end of the day, you get what you you pay for. Uh, those platforms are very limited in what they offer, and they're more ideal for just basic trading. So if that's what you're looking to do, and it, it, it's really not a bad platform for that. But what we do at Endeavor, uh, we take a more holistic approach. Uh, we examine an individual's needs, uh, both short-term and long-term, and we go way beyond just investments. We look for tax opportunities, ensuring the decisions you are making today uh, minimize your overall tax that you might be paying. Uh, We also help our clients address estate and insurance needs. So really anything we can do to uh, assist in your overall wealth management approach. And going back to some of those discount brokers and and things that you see on the internet, uh, a lot of times people don't realize the amount of intrinsic risk that they're taking on with with making some of those trades. And so finding balance is, is another key thing that we do for our clients at, at Endeavor. That was Bryce Malashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. Um, well, yeah, I don't know. Uh, so you, you had a, a short stint on the McKenzie tour, Canadian tour. So how many, how many years were you on the McKenzie tour? I think I played three full seasons there. Yeah. And then what, uh, that's across Canada, but it also goes into the U S right. Is that, is that an true well, statement? It, it used to, but since the PGA tour bought it and then have like rebranded it, the years that I played, it only was in Canada. I know okay. this year they have a stop in Minnesota, so it's kind of all over the place. But when I played, it was, they would start out in BC and play three, four tournaments and they'd basically move across the country. And, and rewinding time here, but related to McKenzie tour, you qualified for the 2011 Players Cup at 16 years old. That came up in our last episode with uh, Brad Curtin, and, but that was kind of an interesting little thing. And I'm sure there weren't many 16-year-olds qualifying for the Players Cup that time. Yeah, I forgot about that. And you, you want to know who? So I finished second in the qualifier, and Tom Hoagie won the qualifier. <laughs> okay, and I, I wow. Think he then won the tournament that week. Um, and now he's on the PG tour and has been for a while and he won Pebble beach last year. And yeah, I mean, there's, there's so many of those stories, like, especially you go to Pine Ridge where, well, we're Southwood now, like there, there'll be guys there you see this week who will be on the PJ tour in a few years and went on the PJ tour. And it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's cool to see. And it's funny thinking back on that. That was, uh, 
Yeah, 16. That was that was pretty good for a 16 year old. I'd say. Yeah. No <laughs> yeah. Is when uh, he, when you did you guys have did you guys have Curtin on recently? Yeah, he was our just, he uh, just had yeah. him on. Okay. So he, yeah. I he uh, came out on Monday, I guess. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, he was he driving had some a great Pontiac stories. Sunfire, and he had uh, probably yeah. a, a CD deck that was worth more the, more than the car in it, and then he got blew up by a Suburban. <laughs> that's what I think that's how the, how the, how the yeah. story goes. He had, to, he had a yard sale basically on the side of the <laughs> yeah, road the as he shop. pulled everything out of the, uh, the pro shop, pulled it out of his car. But, uh, yeah, so you can you can check that one out, uh, the, the latest, uh, the last episode of 18 over uh, 18 over par um was when you i guess while moving into your your tour days venturing across canada was there kind of a brotherhood within that group or was it extremely competitive or maybe a bit of both yeah i guess a bit of both mostly all the canadian guys would kind of hang out together because there wasn't as many of them it was always all the american guys and at the time it was really competitive and there's a lot of really good players so like it'd be all of the like all American kids from all these big schools down in the States, when they turned pro, there was, there wasn't that PGA tour U program at the time and they had nowhere to play and Canada was the best option. So everyone came up and it was, it was really, really competitive. Like I remember one of the years I was shooting like four or five under and missing cuts. Like the, the scores were really, really good. Um, and yeah, I mean, Jared and, and like Michael Gligic and Sean Harlington, some of the guys like Gligic's now on the PGA tour. Um, Adam Cornelson, I don't think he plays, but yeah, it was mostly the Canadian guys were kind of hanging out together. And then, and then, you know, what came, I guess, what was the inspiration I'm guessing from, from the Canadian tour, there must've been a motivation or inspiration to jump over to, I'll call it the European tour, AKA DP world tour. Yeah. So in like if you're if you're if you're a pro golfer and you're trying to make it to the next level there's kind of two options of, of q schools you can do the corn ferry tour which is the feeder tour to the pj tour or you can go over and do the european tour in 2000 like 17 or 18 i did the corn ferry tour and i made it to the final stage but i didn't come top 25 so they're like okay you have conditional status you'll play a few tournaments i was like whatever i'll play that some of that some of canada i didn't end up getting into a single tournament so it's basically like F this. And the next year I'll try my other option, which is the European Q school. So I did the same thing. I got through the first stage, the second stage, got to final stage, but didn't come top 25. And they say, okay, you can have full status on the second tour, which is the challenge tour. And you can play some tournaments on the main tour, the European tour. And I was like, yeah, you've heard this before. And, uh, but I ended up getting to play like a full season on the secondary tour, which was a great learning experience. And I played like three or four tournaments on the main European tour that season. And I was just like, well, this is a way better option um and so in 2019 i played the whole season on the challenge tour and did the q school again at the end of that season and then got through and got status on the european tour well we mentioned um, culture shock from idaho (laughs) what was it like being overseas (laughs) yeah i mean like i'm from stony mountain manitoba if if you guys have ever been there's like one stop sign and a jail so um that was a jail but not uh (laughs) (laughs) i I had never been over to europe before um so it was it was just at the start looking back now like yeah i had no idea what i was doing and just some of the things are so different and like you're in england trying to drive on the other side of the road and there's no room and like some of the things still confuse me you basically have to pay for your water every time you go somewhere that's one of my biggest pet peeves um 
and ju just random little things that we're not used to here, all the different languages, the different cultures. Um, yeah, I was just a fish out of water. So that, that first year was probably really good for me to kind of just feel comfortable over there and then get used to all the different types of golf as well. Like it's just, it was just so different. So what about the food? Are you an adventurous eater? <laughs> uh, yeah, I would say I'm getting there. Um, yeah. And now that I guess we've gone to all the cities so many times, I have this big note mm -hmm. in my phone with all the restaurants. And That's so I kind of go back to the same places. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we try and if it's by myself or with my wife, like now Monday to Wednesday, if we're there, like, and you're not playing golf, just try and see as much as you can and explore the cities. Cause like I, I now say the travel is the best and the worst part of it. Like sometimes I don't want to sit on the plane for eight hours. Mm -hmm. uh, but sometimes it's cool to go to Munich in Germany next week and check out the city. And um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been super fun. That's good. Cause I know people would probably just bring a bunch of chicken fingers with them and put them in their pockets and like not experience uh, some of the local cuisine, but uh, those people know who they are. They're listening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm a big uh, coffee shop guy and coffee is very appreciated in Europe. Like nobody really takes a takeaway cup. Like they kind of go in and sit down and actually enjoy their coffee. And so I, I always try and do that on the late tea time days, go get a, a good coffee. That must be in Northern Idaho, uh, Washington state thing. <laughs> they have, they have these little espresso huts, but, uh, back to the DP world tour, JR. Yeah. So do you, are you kind of nomadic then when you're out there? Are you like training, like go on a train? Are you flying? Are you doing a bit of everything just to get from location to location? Yeah, it's mostly flying. Um, you can train like sometimes when we're within Europe, they're pretty close together and you could maybe get on a train. It would take a couple hours or something like that. Um, but mostly it's flying. And like, honestly, once you're in Europe, it's so cheap to fly around. Like you can, you can fly somewhere for like 50 bucks. It's insane. It drives me nuts when I come back to our monopoly of a country. You got, um, so yeah, it costs, it costs $1,500 to fly to Minneapolis for 50 minutes. Like last week, playing in the Canadian open. I had a good buddy. He's like look, thinking about coming out and it was going to be like $1,300 to fly to Toronto and back. It's a, it's like a two hour flight. Like it's just crazy. Um, but yeah, so there's some things over there. I appreciate, uh, you, you know, they got 25 airlines and if you know, you're flying Ryanair, it's not going to be the greatest experience, <laughs> but it's going to be, cheap and it's, it's going to get you from A to B. So <laughs> what are you, you hopping on any, clubs? uh, to go it's pretty easy. And then also, um, the tour has a service where there's this guy and he has like this huge van, like a U-Haul style van. And if you give him a hundred bucks, he'll drive it from tournament to tournament every Sunday night, he picks it up and then they'll, they'll drop it off usually on like Monday afternoon or Tuesday morning at the next event. So that's convenient. Are you traveling with multiple, uh, clubs? Like, are you got spares, you got two bags, you got, or they're like manufacturer reps at each tournament or how does that work? Yeah, I would say it's pretty standard. Like my, I would have an extra lob wedge just based on the turf conditions. And then I'll have like a five wood and a three iron just based off it's like going to be windy or whatever. And then, yeah, we're pretty spoiled now. Like at every tournament, there's every truck that you can imagine and you can go in and get whatever you want made up. But, uh, I try to stay out of there cause you can, uh, you can get lost in those things. And if you're a tinker, you could be in there all day. What do you have in the bag right now? <laughs> I'm a, I guess I'm a club free agent, so I have, uh, I can use whatever I want, which is 
kind of nice to be honest. So I have really those old tailor-made 770 irons. They're from like probably five years ago. I, I have a new set. I just got it. It was the last one the European rep had. Um, and then I got Vokey wedges. I have a Titleist TSI three driver, Stealth three wood, and like an old Sim five wood. And an Odyssey cutter. So I got a lot of everything in there. You still got the two ball? No, I got one of it like playing style. I don't okay. know. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Was there definitely a step up in the competition when you went over there compared to doing the tour golf here? Yeah. Um, I would say the fields are just deeper. Like the winning score on any tour around the world is always going to be really good, but it's, you know, the, the 20th place score, the 30th place score. That's just a little bit deeper over there. Um, but the Canadian tour as a, as a place to start was like a great, great place to prepare. Um, the scores were always pretty low, so you had to play pretty aggressively and be comfortable going well under par. Um, and the competition was really good. So, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a little bit of a difference definitely, but it's not that much, right? Like if you could save one shot around like four shots in a tournament is a pretty big difference. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely just a little bit deeper overall. And now are you playing golf year round? Are you just trying to stay, stay consistent? Yeah. Yeah. This is a full-time job. Um, I, I, I now value the times that I don't have to play golf and I get time off because we don't really have an off season. Um, so like our, our year this year, will probably go end of November. I think it stops. And then we have tournaments in December in Australia that are part of the 2023 season. If you want to play. So, um, I don't think I will, I'm in a, a pretty good position this year where I'll have good status for next year. Um, so I'll be able to pick and choose my schedule a little bit. And if I don't have to fly halfway across the world for a tournament, I probably won't. Um, and I'll probably start my season next year in January in the middle East, which is the traditional start for the European tour. Do you have a favorite spot that you found on tour yet, whether it's for the amenities or the course itself? Yeah. So Switzerland, the place we play is like in the mountains, looks like Banff basically, but just, it's just really nice. And then there's this place in Malalane, South Africa. It's like a four hour drive East of Johannesburg and it's on the Kruger national game park. The golf course is called leopard Creek. Um, and it's like you're on the 18th tee and you can see elephants and zebras walking around in giraffes and like the golf course is immaculate. Like, so that's, that's my favorite setting. We always go do the safari drives there. Um, but yeah, like, saying that is crazy. Like we've gone to some places that I never would have ever, ever thought I would go. Um, and yeah, there's, there's tons of good ones on, on the tour. Wasn't that where you were stuck? I thought I saw something before COVID there just when COVID was really getting started, you kind of got stuck there. I mean, you made it obviously out. Um, but yeah, uh, was that, that was it, the place. It took me four days to get home from South Africa. We were in, uh, Johannesburg in November. And that's when all the Omnicron stuff broke out and nobody knew what to do. So they're just like, Oh, you can't come here. You're screwed basically. Um, so Germany was the only place that would allow you to transit through. You just had to do a COVID test in the airport so they could charge you, bend you over and charge you a few hundred bucks yeah. basically. Um, so I had to do that and then had to stay in a hotel in Toronto for a couple of days. Yeah. Good times. Good times. <laughs> just wanted to remind you of those times. <laughs> I wasn't gonna. I wasn't even gonna bring it up. But <laughs> okay, stop playing favorites. Um, so, uh, well, actually, what yeah. I what, what the bad thing I was gonna bring up is: Do you have any like 
I don't know if you're staying at like Airbnbs out there. You got any bad like uh, accommodation stories or is everything pretty bougie? In South Africa, I'm just going to stay at the host hotel and pay whatever they tell me because I don't want to get stabbed anywhere. Um, the hotel that I stayed at in Germany last week, honestly, so I, I didn't book it cause I didn't know if I was in the tournament. So I booked some last minute so I could be close to the host hotel. And I'm not even kidding. If I just like stretch out my arms like this, that's how wide the room was. There was like this little skinny single bed, and it's like little skinny hallway with a shower, like stuffed in the corner. So that was definitely the worst one. Um, but normally it's pretty good. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Not not sleep in the back of the van anymore, like uh, Ryan Horn and Brad Curtin there. I think maybe did a did a couple times the air mattress. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the uh, the small room doesn't help. That uh, was it. Green Eagles, the uh, the Euro- Porsche European Open. I heard there was a a few players very upset with the uh, difficulty of how the course was set up uh, last week or two weeks ago. Now, uh, would you agree with that? Yeah, it's it's. If I can pick and choose my schedule, I probably won't be going back to that tournament next year. It's just like every par four you get on the tee and it's like, okay, 480 yards, water down one side, bunkers down the other side. The rough is six inches long. You get in the fairway. Okay. I have a five iron into a green that has six elephants in it. And the pin is like, right. <laughs> it, it's just exhausting. Like, oh, and you miss the fairway and it's just like, oh shit, how am I going to make par? Like, it was, it just beat the shit out of you. So, um, yeah, I don't know if I'll be going back to that one. The last, the last two weeks, the course I played the rough, the, the rough has been brutal. Like for the Canadian open, they're preparing the guys for the U S open this week. So if you missed the fairway, it was like a half a shot penalty. You're basically just gouging it back in play. Um, so maybe next week the, the rough will be shorter and it'll feel really easy. We'll see. <laughs> Well, that's we we mentioned that uh, I think on our U.S. Open uh, preview show uh, with Adam Walker, our PGA Tour correspondent, just how yeah I noticed the rough at the Canadian Open was like hmm this looks like something they'll probably be facing uh, at the U.S. Open, and sure enough, uh, it was. And I think it was it Golf Canada that uh, got you the sponsors exemption into the Canadian Open. Yeah, so I think it came from Golf Canada. Brian Crawford is the tournament director, and Lawrence Applebaum is I think the CEO of Golf Canada. So Derek Ingram actually messaged me a few weeks before uh, they sent me the official invite and told me that I was in so I could start planning and everything. Um, so I had plenty of notice. And uh, yeah, I think I was honestly supposed to have played in, in 2020. Um, so I've missed out on a couple of them, but this was this was my first one and it was a few years in the making. And uh, it was, yeah, it was a great experience. Did you have any butterflies stepping up to the first tee? Yeah, for sure. Um, the, the first day I teed off late, so I just had a lot of time to kill in the morning. And uh, yeah, it was my first PGA Tour event. It's national open, like huge tournament. The crowds were massive out there. There was like great atmosphere, like good vibes. Like it was, it was super fun. Um, I was, yeah, I was nervous before the round, but once I hit the first tee shot and got going, I was back in my element and felt pretty comfortable. I think I saw some of your photos there. Were there some buddies uh, that came out with your face on shirts. <laughs> yeah. So last fall I got married and my wife got these shirts made up and it's basically every stupid photo I've ever taken. <laughs> and it's like one big stupid picture and then like a thousand little ones printed all around it. And, uh, though I will never see the end of those things. So they, were like, <laughs> they were all awesome beers wearing those shirts and everyone was commenting and they were just loving it. Are those available for purchase yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> 
maybe we'll ask your wife. <laughs> I mean, in, in, um, continuing on the the RBC there. I mean, uh, and and you know, you have your support from your your friends and the family, and, and also the rest of Canada. Uh, you know, you see the the wrinkle there, whole sixteen, and they got the boards, they got the officials in the uh, the referee outfits and. And, you know, we, we saw you wearing uh, Kyle Connor's jersey. Like, what? It, explain that as an experience. It was awesome. Yeah, I was pretty nervous the first time I went in there. I mean, the, the worst part about it is it's like a 200-yard par three into the wind with, like, a severely sloped green. Like, so I, th- I thought they would maybe move the tee up a little bit so, like, the guys could make some birdies and, like, have it be more exciting. But I guess everyone's just making, like, pars and bogeys so that the fans were at least, like, appreciating the fact that it was hard. And if you hit it on the green, like they gave you a pretty good clap. Um, and then they were like banging on the boards. Like, so all the fans were like leaning over and like hammering on the boards. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was cool. It was like, I guess they're trying to do it maybe a bit of like a waste management team there. Um, but the, the fans are a little bit more respectful, I guess. Like I was talking to some of the guys and they were saying that the fans in Canada were pretty like educated, right? Like they understand good shots and bad shots and, Obviously, there's your meatheads everywhere, but overall, they're pretty good. That's good. That's good. Yeah, I know. As far as the difficulty you were saying, yeah, I saw a lot of guys going that that front right bunker uh, as I was watching uh, the tournament. Um, yeah, do you, do you? I don't know how many. You know, there are the is the was the attendance at the RBC more than than what you would usually see at like a, a the european tour dp yeah sure. like we, we so, so some of our events like the irish open the scottish open the the bmw at wentworth like the the flagship european tour events they'll get good crowds um but just your you know your average event week to week would wouldn't have anything quite like that so um, mm-hmm. those are probably the biggest crowds that I've played in front of. And on Saturday I was playing behind Justin Thomas and like, he was shooting nothing out there. And you know, there was like, it was pretty lined up on both sides of the fairways. Like it was, it was pretty cool. The atmosphere on the course was really good. Mm-hmm. And hearing a, a roar from, from, uh, you know, two fairways over, I'm sure that could, uh, you could lose focus quickly if, if you're listening to that. Yeah. You just hope you don't get it in your backswing. There, there, there was, there was quite a few actually. Like there was uh, on Sunday, there was guys shooting low scores, like Justin Rowe shot sixty, um, yeah. and throughout the week, like you know, if there's a holdout shot or whatever, like they had some pretty good featured groups. There, there was some pretty legit roars going through there, so it was, it was, it was fun. And then uh, related, uh, the cameras maybe would make you more nervous. And I'm, it boggles me. I started thinking about, I was like, why are these TV cameras still like 50 pounds and like four by four on a guy's shoulder when I can film a full length video on 4k on my phone. And it's like, they're just torturing these cameramen. I did actually end up looking it up, but uh, I was do the cameras add any more pressure to you or you kind of block that out i guess not really i mean i'm kind of used to that now like on european tour there's always a a tv stand behind the green and there's generally a camera there whether it's actually on you and you're on tv or not you don't know so don't do something stupid either way just in case or say anything stupid Um, are the are the uh are the cameras smaller in europe or in in asia uh, uh, no, that was a stupid question. It was just a joke. You know, I'll throw it back. Throw it back to Jr. Yeah. Uh, 
Uh, so that being your the RBC Canadian Open being your first PGA Tour experience, is there one thing that you can take from it that you're maybe going to carry with you as a professional now, or is it like uh, it's just another tournament? Um. Yeah, I mean, I guess like getting like somewhat like deeper into it. So like I did a sport, I, I do a lot of like sport psychology sessions and I did one today and we were kind of reflecting on what I was trying to learn from from the past week. And um, I, there was a lot of, I just felt a lot of like outside pressure on Saturday. Like I have all these like friends and family who come out to watch me and like I'm the low Canadian teeing off pretty late on Saturday and like... I was just like, I didn't want to like screw up, not even for myself, but more so for like the others who came out to watch me and I didn't have a good day and I'm still breathing. I'm just fine. So the, the takeaway is that I, you know, I'll, I'll be just fine either way. And I get to play golf for a living and, uh, however it goes, like is how it goes. And, uh, I think that will free me up having that thought in the future. Um, so that, that was kind of my takeaway from the week. And I think next time I'm in that position, I'll hopefully learn from it and have a better result. So there you go. There was your free psychology session. You don't even have to go to those. You just come on our show every week. We'll work through some stuff and make it work. <laughs> or, or my other thought, JR, was, uh, since we both have the, the Ingram book, we can record ourselves reading it and it'll be like an audio book. <laughs> Maybe he would be interested in that deal. Probably not. Uh, we'll work on that. There's a lot of ideas. Even talking to Sandy Kersiba here, uh, who is now, uh, was the former pro at Hecla and Falcon and now is uh, associate pro at the old Boneyard, a Cinnabon Golf and Country Club, the Royal Cinnabon Golf and Country Club. He's like, why doesn't Derek Ingram have a coaching school here yet? Why doesn't he have some sort of university or something? And his name's like, if, it, if this was in the States, you'd have, a, you know, 50,000, you know, students, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, he seems busy. He seems pretty busy, JR. <laughs> yeah. um, if he can call into Winnipeg Sports Talk from the uh, parking lot at, the, at Augusta, I think he's got some time to start up a coaching school here. Just yeah. saying. Just well, saying. I got more, uh, more DP World Tour questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, and a DP World fact dp world stands for dubai port world did you know that mr ac I did. big lo- logistics company and we're big uh, importer exporters here on 18 over par <laughs> but uh <laughs> so you know i i, I think uh, so i looked it up I th- are you playing you're playing in the uh, bmw international open coming up uh june 22nd you're heading back for that that's back in germany is that yes yeah, leaving on Monday. It's back in Munich. And uh, well, I guess where this question is is leading is, and I think I might have read it in the Free Press article, was there was some potential Open Championship qualifiers, and I looked these up. So Genesis Scottish Open, DP World Tour Irish Open, and then there's regional qualifying, which is June twentieth. Which I'm, I don't know if uh, you're probably not back for any of those, but are you competing in any of those, uh, the Scottish or the Irish Open? So, yeah, they have a few that are tied in with our tournaments and like national opens around the world. So it'll be like even at the Canadian Open, if you finish within the top 10, it's the top three guys who aren't already exempt. Um, But then they also have just straight up qualifying sites like they do with sectionals for the U.S. Open. So they have four within the U.K., 
Um, and yeah, I'm signed up to play. So it's on Tuesday, the week of the Irish Open. So I'll play Munich. And then on the Monday, I'll travel to wherever site I'm given. And I'll play 36 holes on the Tuesday. And there'll probably be 60 guys for four spots, something like that. So it's pretty tough sledding. But if, if I play well, I should have a pretty good chance. And uh, hopefully get through. I haven't played in the major before. So uh, may as well make the first one, uh, the 150th British Open at St. Andrews. No kidding. No kidding. And it seems like you got a good guy on your bag to uh, to guide your way, Mr. Uh, David Corrigan. So how did you get hooked up with him? Dublin Dave. He's a beauty. Um, so yeah, he's, he's from Ireland. He's very difficult to understand, but uh, he's, he's a great guy and we get along well. Uh, we got hooked up in, so the tournament I was talking about earlier, the Omnicron disaster down in South Africa, the guy who was supposed to caddy for me that week actually got COVID on the Monday. <laughs> oh, no. um, so he was basically sentenced to prison down there and uh, he, he had to find a new guy for me or we were working together to find a new guy and Dave was down there supposed to work for somebody the next week. He was just down in South Africa early and uh, we linked up and I played pretty well that week and we stayed in touch and started doing again this year. So we've been, we've been doing tournaments together for almost a year now, I think. And uh, it's a good partnership. I mean, a lot of it is just getting along with the person, right? Like, you spend more time about the same amount of time with them as you do with your spouse. So um, you just got to get along with them and we do. And uh, it's been good so far. Mm -hmm. And it looked like he had a, he has a decent handicap himself. He, and he, I think he's a, he has a PGA or he's a professional or golfer, right? Yeah. So his backstory is like when he was younger, he started catting on the European tour when he was like 20, he did it for a few years and then he left and he got into like did all of his class a PGA, whatever they would call it over there and became a head pro at a club. And he was in Ireland for a while. Then he was in England for a while and he just didn't really enjoy it. Um, so he got back into caddying, but he did club caddying. So he was actually caddying at St. Andrews for a few years. Um, mm. he's got back onto tour caddying has been doing that for a few years. JR, he was a caddy at St. Andrews the same year I played. Really? did he caddy for St. You? Andrews? He didn't. I had a, a Kiwi, a New Zealander, and yep. obviously uh, David is from uh, Drahada, Ireland. Hopefully, I pronounced that correctly. We'll have to have him on. Yeah, I have no idea how to say it. <laughs> and then it said there was one article I found on him, and he said he caddied for Tiger Woods at a pro am in uh, Hawks Ridge, Georgia, which I'm sure was very exciting for him. You've done some solid research. That is a good find. That's, um, that's, I don't know anything about golf, but I can read Google. <laughs> yeah, he, when he was doing before club caddying at St. Andrews, I think he had stops in Florida and Georgia and there was this really nice course in Georgia. And, uh, I want to say it was like before the masters and this was in like Oh three, like peak tiger. I guess when tiger goes to tournaments, he doesn't really stay on site because he doesn't want to deal with the, you know, to shit show that it is. So he practices at like nice clubs nearby. And uh, yeah, he said he got to caddy for him just on like a fun 18 hole round. And he actually said he was like a super good dude. They played 18 holes and their, for their foursome was like ready to be done. And Tiger was like, no, let's go for another nine. Like they did 27 that day. And he nice. said he was awesome with everybody. And he said he was just tearing it up too. So <laughs> That's awesome. That's sweet. What a story. We'll have to get old Davey boy on. <laughs> but uh, oh yeah, it said he played in a pro-am. It relates back to one of my questions on the RBC is, did you did you get to play in the pro-am at the RBC or do you, you play in any pro-ams? 
Yeah, I did actually. I played on the Wednesday. Uh, they do nine holes for the for two different pros. So like, if you guys were the AM group, you'd have me for the front nine, and then they my group ended up getting Camp Smith for the back nine. So they got a bit of an upgrade. Um, <laughs> and I think our actually, I think our pro AM team, we had like a combined score, and we finished second for the day. So I oh. think they were all pretty happy. Wow. Yeah, not bad. Well, you say it was an upgrade. I'm pretty sure you and uh, Cam Smith are tied at the Canadian Open. Yeah. So I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing all right. Yeah. Doing all right. <laughs> Did you have any more uh, DP World Tour questions, Mike? Or I had, a, I had a quick one before we get into the back nine, if you if you have another one there, Mike. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, yeah. that was my DP. I got sure a few more before I want to get into the back, but go ahead. Sure. I was just wondering about your garage. I'm pretty sure I saw some pics there. Did you uh, outfit your garage with a simulator? I have. It's uh, I, yeah, I've wanted to do it for a few years and uh, living in Winnipeg and doing what I do. It's uh, kind of essential. <laughs> um, so we have like an oversized single car garage and it's kind of the perfect size, but it was too low. So my uncle's a contractor and he was able to just like jack it up somehow. So now it's 10 feet high and it's the perfect space where I can have the track men run down the middle and I can have lefties and righties hit. Cause I got a few buddies who are lefties. Um, and we got a TV out there. I got my workout equipment. I can, I was just out there before this, like I can do everything I need to do in there and feel like I'm still getting a lot done. So in the winter months, if I'm at home, I can, I can practice in there and it's, it's pretty sweet. I, I, I love it. Do you work with a nutritionist or like a, a fitness trainer at all? Or are you kind of just self-taught in that as well? Yeah, no, I started to do that the last couple of years, um, but taking it way more seriously the last like two years. And that was part of the Bryson DeChambeau effect. Honestly, everyone was kind of doing the same thing. I was, I was probably a, a short hitter. Um, and now I'm probably slightly above average. I've picked up I don't know, like eight miles an hour of club head speed, maybe, which doesn't seem like a lot, but that's like over 20 yards probably. Um, so yeah, it's something that I kind of had to do and now it's, it's gotten to a point where it's pretty good. I'm still working on it, but, uh, yeah, I got all the gym equipment I need out there. I can throw my medicine balls around and squat rack and everything. So it's, uh, yeah, there's also a beer fridge out there too, though. So. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Arm curls, the real arm curls. Yeah, there we go. There you go, Mike. I got my, uh, my, in honor of you, I got my Trans Canada Brewing Sublimey Lime Slushy Ale. Yeah, it's, uh, I want to call it like a sour, but it's probably not. I'm trying to read it right now, but it is lime flavored, almost like a, it's like a slush puppy-esque image on the front of it. And it's called sublimey. And uh, there's actually JR, there's a warning. It says caution brain freeze on the, uh, on here, which is funny because, because brain freezes are uh, very dangerous in Canada, but uh, love trans Canada and all the local brews. And uh, yeah, you're obviously a, a, they obviously sponsor you. I love seeing the Trans Canada Bruin logo on your hat. Uh, do, you, do you indulge in some of their beverages here and there? Yeah, a decent amount. I, I like going there. It's a cool vibe, cool atmosphere with all the big long tables, and they always have different beers on tap. Uh, yeah, we've always, I've always got a few in the fridge for sure. <laughs> 
and some uh, great live music. I, I went there on Saturday, and they had obviously great pizza and beer, but they had some good live music going on. So always got to support our local breweries, that's for sure. Yeah, it's a good hangout spot. Um. Well, you, you spoke about some of your left-handed friends. And then uh, one of the interesting things I saw at the RBC was the Callum, Callum Davison. And he, he has a cross-handed shot. So I was curious if you ever uh, have shot cross-handed or left-handed and how that has worked for you. I saw a swing. It's very, very unique. I, I am not ambidextrous or whatever you say. Like, I can't swing lefty at all horrible yeah. if i had to try and chip out lefty i would be nervous like i'd probably just fall and turn the club upside down and go whack it that way maybe no i not yeah. good that because some guys you watch them and, and they'll play you can they can beat like a high handicap or even a you know mid handicap or playing left-handed what they had some uh our competitors at bar still did something like that and then there's this guy, the Aussie guy, I think his name's Cam Davis. If you watch him swing at lefty, his swing literally looks the same left-handed. It's ridiculous. It's so really? weird. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't even, the, the, the cross-handed thing kind of blew my mind. I've seen people putt cross-handed and, and, you know, it took me a while to get used to that, but uh, yeah, that, that's insane. I'm sh- I, I wouldn't even want to see, we should actually get a video of me trying a cross-handed it swing. It might work better. That might get some TikTok views. <laughs> <laughs> and do a little dance after, that'd be sweet. Yeah. I, yes. Well, I don't dance. Well, I do, but not on TikTok. <laughs> that's it's a, only fans. We know, Mike, we know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a plug for Mike's only fans. Get at me. It's over par. Mike only fans. Fax your credit Anyways, card numbers to 204. Just kidding. We're trying to uh, let AC keep most of his sponsors here. So uh, <laughs> speaking of sponsors, this is kind of a weird question, but you know what I really like is, is the, the polos, the shirts, the apparel that the PGA guys wear that you wear, these guys wear. And I want to be like a NASCAR fan and like wear these like polos that are littered with sponsors, but it's actually very hard to find them. I've tried to look on eBay or I've even like thought about making a business where I just like plaster sponsorship logos on a polo, but uh, is there an aftermarket or a secondhand uh, market for these polos? Like I'm sure you guys are tossing them or maybe some of the guys are only using them once. Is there a, you want some shirts, you have my number text me. I love wear shirts. They send me like, I get these shipments and there's like 60 pieces in there and I'm not going to use them all. So, uh, I have some extras. <laughs> Perfect. There we go. I got some, I got a polo hookup with some, hopefully some level wear and TCB, uh, sponsorships on them. That's great. Hopefully they're size yeah. extra small to fit our bodies, but never... <laughs> <Wait>. <laughs> I'm more of a large, large, uh, Medium large, maybe not a medium, more of a, what would be in between a medium and large media, large (laughs) anyways, uh, on, on course snacking is my, my next question because tiger, I think famously uh, came out that he was snacking, uh, was it every three holes or something? So I was curious if, if you were snacking on the course, 
Yeah, oh yeah. I, I'm a banana, Cliff Bar, PB and J, like BioSteel, all those. Like probably eat something every six holes and try and have a couple of BioSteels out there, especially when it's hot. I mean, it's just mm. the, like the, the weeks, like, you know, you, you say you're a golfer and whatever, like it doesn't seem like the most athletic thing. But I mean, when you're out there walking like six miles a day all week, like it kind of takes its toll on you. And, yeah. and when you wear pants and you're sweating everywhere, you got to, uh, keep everything uh yeah you gotta stay hydrated and eat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i was gonna ask this later but if you had your choice would you wear shorts or is pants just part of the uniform and, and you you you'll you just love it it's my biggest pet peeve that we have to wear pants it doesn't make any sense like if if in 10 years when they have finally changed the rule, they're going to look back and like, why are you, I, I think it's just a tradition thing. I mean, now that we can wear it in practice rounds, why can't you wear it in, in on tournament days? Like it's mm-hmm. like, and especially with, with the, what the women get to wear, like it looks like they're just out for a, a stroll. It's very casual. You know, we got the pants and the collars. I, I, I hope they change it. And we can wear shorts one day. Maybe lovely. there's just a lot of weak calves on tour and they don't want to, the, the members there of the tour don't want to be showing off those weak calves. <laughs> That's my thought very, process. Like, very <laughs> white legs. Yeah, yeah. white legs. <laughs> I couldn't imagine there being weak calves with these guys walking, you know, however many, how many steps per day you guys getting in for, for four four rounds, you know. Yes, like twenty thousand a day, twenty five thousand. Yeah, wow, that's tough. And especially with some of these courses, they're not your prairie courses uh, flat. You know, there's a little bit of hill there. My my parents were gassed after walking around last week, and the place was pretty hilly. And like, I guess I don't appreciate it that I just I'm used to it. I walk all the time, but if you don't, like, it's a pretty good hike. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the one thing yeah. I was even commenting on while watching it with uh, with my wife and my daughter was just like, there's some elevation there. Like, you don't even think yeah, of that. It was, it's like, it's a pretty me- metropolitan course now, but geez, is it up and down. Yeah, it was. Like, especially in the in the yardage books when you're looking at, there's a lot of holes where it's like, okay, this one's 12 yards downhill. Okay, this second shot plays 15 yards uphill. Like, you, you really see it when you, when you look at the book. You don't notice it as much when you're walking, but... Yeah, it was, it was, there was a lot of subtle hills out there. It was, it was a beautiful, beautiful track. It certainly looked like it from, it, from our vantage point. It certainly did. Yeah. Yeah. Some big shacks lining the, the course oh, there. It was, it was ridiculous. There was a couple of them for sale and we were looking them up just as a joke. And it was like minimum five mil just like in Toronto too. Like it was like just, just outside. It's like just outside of downtown. It's close to the airport, like super nice area. The, the houses out there were hilarious. <laughs> Wild. Yeah. And lots of fans in the backyards. I imagine anyone yelling at you from their pool. Uh, no, not really. I mean, there's a couple like on the, on the holes that were surrounded, like in the rink and stuff, but yeah, there was, there's some people who you could tell they were having like a little, you know, backyard, like, cook out have some friends over and there's a few holes like there was like probably about five holes where there was houses pretty close to the fairways and green so they actually would have had like a good viewing spot as well nice all right we'll have to get out there jr we'll put it on our uh our 18 over par freezer truck tour that we got going we'll add it to the list and go to the rbc open yeah well uh me being an rbc client uh, and maybe bryce matlashewski would want to take us out there as well from Endeavor I think World he Management, would. yeah. Maybe you never know. You can always ask the question, right? 
can always ask the question. We could. What are they going to say? No. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any more, Mike, or do you want to jump into the back nine? I'll, I'll save some for uh, AC 2.0 next year. <laughs> AC 2.0 with DI. That would be something. Thanks. All right, let's jump into the back nine lightning round. It is for Bryce Matlashewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. Right on, uh, Aaron, AC, AA, Ron. You get that one at all? <laughs> we got uh, the back nine lightning round. Just uh, quick, some quick questions. That uh, substitute teacher skit. I've got them all. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know you would have heard that one already. <laughs> all right. Well, first question we got in the back nine. Have you ever got a hole in one? Yes, I have seven. Seven. I haven't got one in a few years, though. I think it's probably been like three years, so I'm due. When did you get, how old were you when you got your first one? Oh, uh, was that two, one, two, three, like, I think it was like maybe 17, 18. I got, I, my, the first one that I got, I got one like nine days later. I had two in 10 days and it was wild because my, my grandpa has two in 10 days and he was one of the guys who like kind of helped start the Toulon golf club and they were both there. It was kind of a freaky story. Wow. Wow. That is, that's impressive. Well, it wasn't like, didn't Brad Curtin, he had, his two were in the same, same year, like 2007, 2008 or something. Like one was on nine at Pine Ridge and then he had another one at 10. A pine ridge. A ten, yeah. <laughs> you guys know Ken Weeb at all? Yes. yes. Yeah. Aces. Ken Aces Weeb. Yeah, two in the same round, and yeah. he's like a 15 handicapper. Yeah, there's right. still hope for Mike and I. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what I always say is, you know, sure, it's fun. Uh, you know, it's good to go for us high handicappers, mid handicappers to go for lessons. But I almost think that some of these pros should focus on just a hole in one lesson <laughs> and teach just teach me how to get a hole in one and i think uh i would pay more money for that than any putting lesson i think that was an appendix in the uh, Derek ingram's uh, golf psychology book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right next one uh, what is your preferred golf ball brand or model uh i'm a titleist guy i do have a contract with them so i have to say titleist i got uh, pro nice. v1x I used to use the Pro V1, but it doesn't spin enough. And now they've switched it, and the Pro V1 suits my iron play better, and it spins the correct amount. So, nice. Titleist. Shout out to Titleist. Yeah. We love you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Robbie McMillan, come on. Yes, Robbie would love that. <laughs> we'll have to get Robbie on. Mm-hmm. We talked to Robbie. Yes. He knows. He knows about us. Uh, what's your most favorite course to play in Manitoba? I think Elmhurst is probably the best like tournament golf course, but I think I'm just going to go have like a fun round. I would probably go play granite. I I think granite Hills is really good. I think that they did a really good job with the land they have out there and the way that they use the lake and um, just through the bush on some, there's some holes that are a little funky, but it's, it's a really fun golf course to play. Well, if you want, the mid-am is there, and I'm looking for a caddy. So if you have some time, I know Mike <laughs> may be uh, humping the bag there and maybe from Team Lefty Blair Mooney. Then if you want to be the final day there, feel free. 
It's got to be a very light, light bag if I would ever consider that there. <laughs> Usually there's 16 beers in it, so they might <laughs> not allow six. that yeah, at the mid Yeah, they, they don't allow it at the mid uh, Only, But you can uh, enjoy them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you got a bucket list course in Manitoba that you never played, but you'd, you'd love to get out to. Manitoba. Uh I actually have never played Clear Lake and I've I've heard that that's really good. Um and I got a buddy who his wife they their family has a cabin out there so maybe I'll I'll sneak up there this summer but yeah I've, I've never played Clear Lake. Mike will send you his caddy notes. That is his home okay. away from home. My oh, really? from home. Yes, yes, my uh, better half, the in-laws have a cabin up there so I I was blessed with uh with that and uh yeah I discovered Clear Lake 10 years ago and yeah number top on my list for sure um it's great great course and you get the elevation change which you don't get in the city here so yeah but uh and I'm heading up there this will come out Monday. That week, I'll be heading up there for the Crown Royal Cup, which I, uh, AC, I'm sure you've heard of, is uh, with a, uh, a few buddies for a bachelor party. And we're doing a, a Ryder Cup match play kind of whole event. And there's like 20 of us. So I'm on Team USA. So unfortunately, I got to buy some USA gear. Yeah, you want my pants? I do, yes. <laughs> Jordan does have some. JR has some pants. Um, I got to ask you about Inwood, though. Have you ever played Inwood? Because I know you're uh, you're Stony Mountain guy. Um, and I, 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 I once, yes. <laughs> Fifteen ninety-five, eighteen holes, best deal in the province. Uh, <laughs> it is great. It's pretty good, man. Like I was very impressed with it, and they had that one hole. It was kind of a very elevated tee box, maybe a par three, uh, like two ten yarder or something. It was. I played it in like November. It was the only course that was in that was open. So we drove out there. The one day I played it was for a, these a group of buddies like hockey fundraiser tournament. So I was shotgunning beers while I was playing out there, and I do not remember a whole lot. But I I remember the fairways were about this wide, and it was bush on both sides. That's all I yeah. can remember. Yeah, yeah, it was. And it was nice. I I really enjoyed it, and the greens were decent. And uh, yeah, it was November, so it was like it was it was kind of cold, but uh, uh, there was like hunters shotguns going off in the field. There, it was pretty funny. And then what I also loved, which I read, was uh, your nickname for Toulon was the Lawn. Yeah, L O N. So that's pretty good because we call a Cinnaboyne the Bone, or. Uh, I think it was uh, Kildonan Park was the monster because they got that big green wall. Or, I always uh, call that one the killer. The killer. That's the other. That They call mm-hmm. it the, the pro shop guy called it the killer. And then I think it was Pete was Moore. It Pete, yeah, you mentioned the monster. Pete Moore called it the monster because it's like uh, uh, Fenway Park. <laughs> Anyways. Pete, good, guys, yeah. good guy for you to get on here. He lets it fly. Pete? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We had Pete on. Oh, oh my. Okay. How was that? I'm actually playing golf with him on Friday and I haven't seen him in a few years. So it could be, uh, yeah. Pete, the treat. You can ask him about his (laughs) DQ cake. Loves his DQ cake. (laughs) Loves DQ cake. (laughs) Oh yeah. He has some great stories. We'll have to get him back on. Tell him that the uh, 18 over par guys said, Hey, and actually we got to get around with him soon. Yeah. But uh, a lot of people anyways. 
I'll move on before this back nine, uh, before the marshal comes out and gets us for the, the back nine here. Uh, so this one, and I'll, I'll give you, you're allowed three answers here. What is the most memorable course that you've ever played? Uh, the one that I was talking about in South Africa, Leopard Creek. Leopard Creek. I, oh, I get three? Well, yeah, we can do one from each continent. Okay. Uh, uh, Metropolitan. Uh, it's it's right beside we I had the we played Royal Melbourne and Metropolitan on the Sandbelt in Australia. Okay, yeah, that was phenomenal. Um, and then I'll go from Canada. Uh, Cab- Cabot Cliffs is pretty cool. Yeah, looks uh, amazing. Yeah, it's 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 uh, just the the views and stuff like the last couple holes on the coast there are awesome. A few guys have brought up on their bucket list the National Golf Club of Canada. And uh, I was curious if you played there. I have. I've been there a few times. Um, there's a, there was like a pro-am there and it was for all the, like the top pros in Canada. And once a year, it's like the Ben Kern pro-am. Um, and it's so hard. Like the winning score is usually over par and there's like a bunch of the top pros in Canada. It's just, it's right in front of you. It's fair. Um, but it's just a really, really tough golf course. I don't know if I'd want to be a member there. It just would kick your ass. (laughs) (laughs) To play it once a year is fun. (laughs) That's good. That's good. Uh, so next one, what do you got? Uh, do you got a number one bucket list course, uh, anywhere in the world? We got some obvious ones, but curious what, what you got? Mm. Have to be something like maybe in the Northeast in the U.S. They got all those, like, is it the National Golf Links? Um, Bandon Dunes. Yeah, yeah, I've never been out there. I'm not like a huge. I'm not a huge. That's Northwest. Sorry, I'm not very good with my geography. (laughs) (laughs) Like like the the Shinnecocks and Wingfoots and 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 kind of that area. There's so much good golf in there, Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm not a huge like golf architect geek like i kind of play the tournament wherever they're telling us to play it and sadly a lot of the times it's not at the best golf course there is it's at the place that can host a big golf tournament right with the space and everything right. uh, so, so we we do play a lot of good golf courses but sometimes the golf courses aren't that great but they can host a big tournament mm-hmm. that's an interesting, interesting thing yeah to to think about yeah that's <laughs> Probably why the the bone the boneyard has not uh, hosted a tournament. It's not enough parking there, not enough room, not enough hotels. <laughs> but you did play San Andreas, though. I, I saw you some pictures there. Did you get to play it, or did you just get to tour around the the planet? Uh, I actually haven't even played it. We so we played uh, a tournament at the Fairmont St Andrews, which is like five minutes up the road. Um, and on the Sundays, obviously the course is closed, and people take their dogs for walks on the most historic golf course in the world. So, mm-hmm. um, I figured I'd go out and walk around and, uh, we did that before we took off. And the first time I like, I've walked around it twice. And the first time I did it, I thought like, I would hate this place. Like it looks so there's so many mounds and hills and like mm-hmm. and the next time I walked, I was like, okay, I can, I think the more you played there, you'd probably appreciate it. Um, but I have not played. So I guess maybe that I'll say that as uh, my bucket list. Very good. Yeah. I'm sure Dave could get you on there (laughs) (laughs) or, or a few other, your friends, I'm sure. Or, uh, but, uh, that's awesome. Yeah. And St. Andrews is such a great, 
great little town there. Yeah. Uh, it's so cool. So I'm sure you've seen plenty of places very comparable uh, in the UK there and everywhere. But. I've had a few pints at the, uh, the Jigger and the Dunvegan. Dunvegan. I went to the Dunvegan, didn't get to the, to the Jigger in there. But uh, yeah, cool stuff. Uh, hopefully see you there soon. Uh, what are your, I guess, yeah. What are your, uh, tournament pa- tournament pass, uh, allowance there for us when, when we, we will come out and visit you over the pond. I'll see how many tickets I can scrounge up. <laughs> I can <scalp> them. <laughs> Next one here. What is your career low round, uh, and where, and not necessarily even in, you know, a competition realm. Um, 62, I've done it in tournaments a couple times in Spain. Uh, I have one at Niaqua and there was one somewhere else, but 62. That's pretty darn good. Mm-hmm. You That's guys, close to that? what's that? Is you guys close to that? <laughs> Just flip that six twenty nine and we'll be good. Yeah. What? <laughs> 92 plus 20 yeah. plus 20 on that. <laughs> Yeah, no, not that close. <laughs> soon, soon though. Yes, yeah, we'll get soon there. because uh, so my next question. This relates to my next question. In the in the free press article, you mentioned your swing recipe, and uh, you know pre shot routines and swing recipes aren't something common with us mid handicap, high handicappers. So I was wondering if you could share some of the the basics to your your pre shot routine, and because I don't have one, and maybe I should get one. Yeah, I think so for each aspect of the game, like, so I, I would classify it as full swing and then like any sort of short game, chipping shot and potting. Um, I just have like, try and have like one or max two thoughts for each one. Um, so last week I was, it was to have like deep hands in the backswing and transfer my weight on a full, on a, the full swing. And then on chipping, it was to use the bounce and then on putting it was to just have a fluid stroke so that was like my one thought for each aspect of the game um and i think it's worked well for me and you know you you see some some guys who are thinking about 50 different things while they're trying to hit a shot but at the end of the day like it it is a game and like you got to be somewhat athletic and just get the ball in the hole um Mm -hmm. but i think to have maybe one simple thought is probably a good thing and not too many more than that that's a good tip. Yeah. Save that one, yeah. Mike. Put that one in your phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's probably in the book that I haven't read yet. But uh, another appendix. Like one of us can sit on the couch here. We're getting a full session this t- tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got the last one here. Our flagship question in the back nine uh, lightning round What is your favorite condiment? Uh, like everyone's just got to say ketchup, right? I mean, what that, like, that's so boring, but it goes on. It's the most useful. Is it not? It could be. Uh, uh, I know JR is a ketchup fan or, uh, it was a jalapeno ketchup. And then now I've been turned on to the local company smack dab and their mustards. So they have this hot jalapeno mustard and it is delicious. So, so smack dab that's Carly. Her husband is Josh Whitting, who used to be a pro golfer. Oh, okay. Because 
about smack dab mustard? Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that's a great why, answer. Why Spearsy brought it up because we had him on, and he was the one who kind of talked about smack dab, and then everyone's eating smack dab now. So good for that's him. All good. the golfers. Yeah, I think that's all the golfers account. are. All the golfers are driving Pontiacs and eating smack dab mustard with their, their great sound systems. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just don't tell me you wear Calvin Klein underwear like Curtin, then uh, don't laugh at all. <laughs> yeah, we'll take it. We'll mark. Yeah, we'll, we'll chalk that up to ketchup. Chalk it up to ketchup. Yeah, we did graph it last year, and I looked, and it, it was mustard, mayonnaise. And then like a few other stragglers and ketchup is in there too. But yeah, mustard and mayonnaise were at the top. And, uh, Good question. I like that. <laughs> it makes, it makes you think. That's, oh, it certainly does. Yeah. It throws people off. That's for sure. <laughs> all right. Well, that but was food. The... Food is all I think about. So <laughs> yeah, that's a nutritional plan. Food. <laughs> Condiments. Condiments. <laughs> All right. That was the uh, back nine lightning round for Bryce Matlaszewski, who is an investment advisor with Endeavor Wealth Management, part of IA Private Wealth, and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund. You can contact Bryce at 204-515-3446. We also have all his info in our podcast show notes. AC, this was a great time. We really appreciate you fitting us into your a very heavy media schedule. We wish you all the all the luck in the world, and you've been doing a great job of representing uh, this province uh, out there to the world. I mean, I don't know, maybe you're getting thrown in jail and we just don't hear about it, but regardless, from everything we're hearing, it's uh, you, you've been doing a fantastic job, and the golf is certainly uh, looking good as well, so we appreciate you taking the time to do this uh, with us, and either you or maybe your wife or someone else in your family can go by there, the Nick and Nikki group of DQs to pick up a wonderful eight inch custom DQ cake. They're at DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park in the food court, DQ Niverville and DQ St. Anne's Road. You can follow them on the gram at DQ Manitoba. Thanks again. Yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was fun. And you can count on me waiting for you in the parking lot. JR, we have a lot of fun on this podcast, but I want to take a second to talk about something that has affected me personally. Every year, millions of Canadians suffer from brain freeze. It can happen to anyone. It's a hot summer day. You're aggressively enjoying a DQ cool treat, a blizzard, a dilly bar, or a variety of personalized ice cream cakes, and whammo! brain freeze it hits you like a triple bogey the good news is you can enjoy these delicious treats in a moderately sized bite so get over to any nick and nicky's group of dqs and enjoy some dq treats safely dq northgate on mcphillips dq pole park in the food court dq niverville and dq st anne's road go see them today for tasty treats